Welcome back, everybody, to Movie Trailer Reviews. You have to excuse me. My nose is stuffed up because it's that time of the season where toddlers get grown folks sick. And that's just how we're going. If you have a toddler, you know what I mean. If you don't, I hate you. Um, We're going to go ahead. Welcome back to the UCR Network, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to go ahead and we're going to do a very, very short, (laughs) quick, to the point review of this Whitney Houston biopic that nobody asked for that we ended up getting from, uh, was it, is it, is it lemons? Is it Cassie, Cassie lemons. Yes. It's Cassie lemons. Did she do Harriet? <sighs> I knew you were going to say that she did do Harriet. She yes, did she Harriet. Did. Okay. She yeah. She did. Okay. So, uh, the name of the film is I want to dance with some, <laughs> with somebody. And yeah, um, it stars, I get some of these names right, I guess it stars Naomi Aki, is that Aki, as Whitney Houston? Is that how you pronounce it? That's, listen, I can't do names, that's as close as we're going to get. Yes, I believe it's pronounced Na- Naomi Naaki. Uh, it, it also uh, stars Miss, uh, is it Defessa? She, uh, she's from uh, Black Lightning, right? Yes, Nefessa Williams. Nefessa Williams. And who plays the mother? Who plays Whitney Houston's mother? Uh, uh, Tamara Tooney plays Cece Houston. Okay. And the father. Ooh, isn't that Clark Peters? John I Houston? I think so. I know. And then uh, Ashton Saunders plays an unnecessarily thrown into this film, Bobby Brown, which. Yeah. Man. Okay. Let's just, let's just jump into this. Like, this this film is so unnecessary. It is essentially a highlight biopic. And I think that's what I hate about it the most. I, I hate that. Oh, it's Stanley Tucci is in this as Clive Davis. Yes, he plays Clive Davis. Which is he's amazing as Clive Davis, by the way. Like yes. Stanley Tucci can do no wrong. He could he just He's just such a nice and he warms your heart in this movie. You're like, oh, he really cares about Whitney. And then you see that Clive Davis and team are the ones who kind of put this film together and not necessarily Whitney's family. So it's like, oh, that's why Clive is like the godfather, the fairy godfather. Like, oh, this is propaganda. It's propaganda, y'all. Yeah, it, it is it's, because look, it's too perfect. It's just too perfect. There is if you watch this film, the one thing that stood out to me the most that was frustrating was. There's absolutely no reason or explanation for why Whitney Houston is doing coke. There's no reason she just starts doing it. And it's like, did she, did, 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 did her dog die? Like, was she being stressed? Because they don't show that. And then there's also like her transformation from being like, this, you know, young girl who wants to just kind of sing and kind of be free to sing the way she wants to, to kind of being a diva, I, like out of nowhere, you, you don't, there's no transgression. It just happens and things just happen in this film. And for me, it's just like, they didn't actually talk to people who were close friends and family of Whitney and get an idea of who she was inside and out as a person. They based the portrayal of this character off of any footage we could get from interviews or performances or, you know, videos. Innuendo. Uh, the, Bob, the, the Bobby and Whitney show, the reality TV show, like anything that we could get there but there's no it doesn't feel intimate it's not an intimate portrait of Whitney Houston and if you can't do that then don't make a fucking biopic because you're not telling this person you're not telling us anything new about this person as far as I'm concerned you're not giving us a real feel of the character we already know this Whitney Houston like if you have watched anything she's done or did you already knew this. So there was no reason to come see this film. And the one thing I found really interesting at my screening, and I, you know, let me know how yours went, was that nobody was singing her music. 
in the theater when this, when, while this movie was playing. And that's like unheard of to me. And, and I was in a black ass theater, a whole black ass theater. So I knew they were going to be singing every song and they were not. I was not in a black ass theater, but I think it's abundantly clear that I do not live in a black ass park, San Diego, much to my sadness and dismay. But um, I also had a similar, you didn't feel people falling into the story. You didn't feel them getting caught up in the music. And they did do the one thing that has been the smart decision, like since Selena was to have them lip sync. So you actually heard Whitney's voice throughout the movie but like you were saying all of this it's vignettes and it, it they it's clear not only are they not trying to give you an intimate understanding of this person's journey they're making it abundantly clear that they are trying to put this pervasive idea about certain current turning points and elements in her life and they're trying to drop them in amber so that becomes the story the image of whitney that stays forever and it's really sad because naomi aki put in some work she's believable like she transitions through the different ages with this person but it's what they're asking her to do that just doesn't work but no nobody was singing along you didn't find people falling into the story the parts were and i think the some of the things that like you were saying that there's no real explanation for how she goes pro with coke um, it's because they're assuming they're 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 yada yadaing. It's like, oh well, you already know she does coke, so we can just get to that point and show you that this has become a thing. But a, a lot of that I feel has to do with some of the pushback that came from the tool documentaries that came out a couple of years ago about her, where people got very angry about this written narrative about her her journey into doing harder drugs having come from the relationship with her brothers and the family pushed back on that at the same time they were pushing back on the robin narrative and how that worked so if you're not being if you're kind of going from the wide-eyed ingenue the girl next door and you're giving this super saccharine sweet image of whitney and then you're kind of jumping to the parts where she's you know all up in her everybody's face and like she is you know what i want and the diva image that i've i don't believe any black people ever believed was anything other than propaganda and them trying to bring her back down to size when you know they were saying well you ain't even you anymore uh-huh. so I, I i don't yeah no i don't i don't know what the, i don't know who this is for i don't like, i don't, I don't know either this, i do not it, know yeah it's not like it's not convincing because there's no it's not even just that there's no scene structure there's no life structure well there's no story like, there's no there's no yeah. actual story here it's like i was thinking of this film i think when i told one of the uh the people hosting the event i was like when they asked me for my opinion i was just kind of like you know how people say you know give me the meat and the potatoes this movie is just the potatoes like there is no meat to this story, there's nothing like you said that you can latch on to with this character. There is just nothing going on here that makes you really care about anyone in this film. Stuff is just happening, and it's happening according to the timeline that we may know of Whitney Houston's career. But like, why would you make a movie about Whitney Houston's career? That's not a movie about Whitney Houston. Like, if you watch Ray, Ray is not a film about Ray Charles's career. It's about Ray. It's about Ray Charles. And it starts off being about Ray Charles. This film started off like it was made for TV. And Cassie, Cassie Lemons has that feel with her movies. I'm sorry. She just does. They start off like TV movie projects. And there is a place for a film like this. It's just not in a theater. I'm actually more annoyed that they didn't send us screeners. I'm actually very annoyed that it's not just, it wasn't just dumped on Hulu or Netflix or maybe, hey, maybe the BET experience. Maybe it should have just been dropped right there because I think that's where it deserves to be at. I don't think it's a terrible film. I think it's a stupid movie. I think it is a pointless film. 
I don't know why it was made, but I cannot take away from the fact that the cast that they have in here committed. They completely fucking committed to these characters and these lines and this nonsense. Even down to Ashton Saunders as Bobby Brown. Like, they might as well have had this motherfucker dancing with his shirt off <laughs> in hammer pants for the whole movie. Every scene he's in should look like a fucking uh, Belle Belle DeVoe like scene from a from a, a music video because essentially that's what it looks like like even i didn't i was like did ashton even meet bobby brown like why why did you choose ashton that's the first question because ashton is better than this but because he will commit but the next question was did he yeah. even meet bobby like did bobby want to be portrayed this way did, did, and this is and it's the film about bobby brown his daughter and his wife did, was Bobby Brown consulted at all about this and about the way his character but looks at this? But I really feel like that's the question for everybody because um, the only person who felt like they were three-dimensional all the way around is Clive Davis, Stanley Tucci. Yep. And that's because Stanley Tucci probably had direct access to Clive Davis because Clive Davis is involved with this project. He's involved. And I, feel, and I feel like on one level, Cassie Lemons wasn't trying to make a made-for-TV movie. But on the other hand, I feel like Cassie Lemons was doing a whole lot of trying to make lemons out of lemonade, uh, like lemonade out of lemons. And, you know, it's clear that Anthony McCartan, I don't know, do you know that writer? I've never heard of him, no. Okay, first of all, I don't know why you have the script for Whitney Houston's biopic written by a non-white, non-Black person, but that's the thing. But, okay, I do know this guy. I do know this guy. He is the one who was a part of the theory of everything, the darkest hour, and the two popes. So uh, he knows how to, but he knows how to do a nonlinear narrative that's supposed to be crossing over years. This movie is supposed to go from the 80s through the 90s and then to more recent history up through her death. He knows how to do a story structure like that because he had to do it with the two popes. Yeah, two this popes story is, good. is also yeah, so this story is also supposed to be about a person who goes through drastic transitions and who has combative relationships, who has loving relationships that kind of get twisted, like in um, uh, the story about, what's homie's name? Why well, I forget his name? The Theory of Everything. So he knows how to do those two stories again. So I'm, 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 I'm extremely confused, and it makes me start to think that unless you want to talk about the moments where we have footage that has to do with Whitney Houston's career, you can't make a biopic about Whitney Houston's life. Whitney never talked about her life enough for us to have actual footage of her through the differing changes in her life for someone to actually go and look at. She didn't write a memoir. She didn't really give interviews that were in-depth until she was clearly on cocaine on tv towards the end of her life mm -hmm. so you don't have those touch-toned moments for somebody to go in and for as much as the houston's say they know her they also admit that there's plenty about her that they don't even have in robin's not talking so every time someone tries to bring forward this idea that whitney was by and that her first love was robin and that this this moment in her life that this thing that fell apart was when that dynamic fell apart. How can you really do that? One, when you don't have Whitney to talk to and Whitney's never talked about it. And two, Robin doesn't really talk about it. But even, but like so that- If you're that, gonna fictionalize it, look what they use to fill in the gap. But that's it, but it's insulting because they don't, like they don't have those characters kiss. So it's never that they're actually together but you're like, oh, no, they're together. But it's like, no, we've caught glimpses of them possibly being together. And that's what we get in this film. So, again, the narrative is not there. It's just it's all speculation. It's speculation about her coke use. It's, spe it's speculation for why she went after Bobby Brown. It's speculation for her relationship with Robin. It's speculation for her relationship with her mother, which is all over the place in this movie. Like they never settle on a base for how her and her mother's relationship, the dynamic of it and the communication is actually like how, how it actually is created, manifested, 
and then like evolves. It does. It doesn't happen. Like there's there's literally a scene where her mother is treating her like every scene of a mother talking, trying to keep their daughter in the church and off the streets that we see in black films. And then literally like like just a spin. Her mother is now trying to get her signed to Arista in an instant. It's it comes out of nowhere. This it, for one one minute she's like Shirley Ralph from Sister Act Two, and she doesn't want her to sing unless it's the way she would want her to sing. And then literally she's like, "Go sing, go sing for that record contract." And I'm like, yeah, next I don't think she's the mother from Sparkle. It just it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And then the dad is all over the place, who turns out to be an asshole, but they never explain why he's an asshole, or they never show him being they they show him being like caring and wanting to manage her, but then they show him wanting to also blow her money and it's blow it's like he blows her money in scenes we don't really see like we kind of see it with the handing out of the cards which is insinuated and then after that we find out she's broke like 90 minutes later we find out she's broke and nobody's been paying attention and i'm kind of like i understand that she wants to blame him for that but also who's doing coke you i don't you know you don't know where your money was going you got all these people. You hired, you're with Bobby you hired Brown. your whole family. Yeah, you're with Bobby Brown. And then the movie right. did this weird shit with at at I don't know what to call it. Like, I don't know what it's not a wall that they're breaking, but it was almost like they didn't have enough B-roll footage for this movie. So they started doing shots of admirers of Whitney Houston in this film. So they would like show her singing on stage. Then they would cut to an Asian family in their home sitting around a dinner table watching TV and they're watching Whitney. Or they do it with her brothers. Or they do it with someone in the crowd. They did it when she did the Oprah interview. They did it when she did a couple of uh, uh, live shows during the film. It was awkward. that, That footage was just weird and then they did things where like yeah we're, we can't get kevin costa to be in this because we don't have a relationship with him and he's in fucking yellowstone so we can't afford him so let's just use found footage or old footage or footage that we can't get sued i guess to use of kevin costa in his film during her whole i'm making the bodyguard scene and they did the same shit with oprah with that, like it's it's Oprah on a camera that's filming Oprah during this live event that she's supposed to be at with Oprah, but we didn't even get an actor to pretend to be Oprah in this I mean, scene. We didn't even word. do that. You said the word. What? They're they're tap dancing around getting sued. That's okay. That's what I thought was going on. But it's even yeah. it's so weird to do. It's it's. I'm sorry. It's cheap. And Cassie Lemon should not be proud of this movie. That she should not be proud that she made this movie. And I'm I'm kind of getting annoyed with her films at this point. I because she did um she originally did Eve, she was Eve's Bayou right like that's her claim yeah, to fame right. Bayou. I am this Eve's Bayou is her miseducation, and I'm I am tired of having to watch her half done ass black films because she gets to ride on what an amazing job she did with Eve's Bayou. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's she, just no, not adding no, up no, anymore. See, she she broke that from I was done with that at self made. Okay, yep. See. Like I, I I gave I gave Harriet the benefit of having been on ice for years. And so the story and the narrative was kind of stuck in the period at which it was originally written. And some of the things they weren't, they had to take out. That I gave, I gave that a whole lot of a pass. And I like a large part of Black Nativity because I just think it's hilarious. But when I saw the miniseries that they did on Netflix for self-made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker, uh-huh. where oh, we, that was you know, her. That's oh, Cassie. that shit was terrible. It was terrible. It was terribly directed with Octavia the Spencer, right? Was yeah, the oh script was full of lies. The story was imbalanced. It also ran off a whole lot of innuendo rather than fact. It um, completely uh, perverted the history of one person who is foundational to the movement in order to uphold further uh, C.J. Walker. 
And the direction that she gave Octavia Spencer was terrible. It was terrible. And Octavia Spencer can act. So when you can't get what you need from Octavia Spencer, the problem is in the seat looking at the, the, the monitor. It is not the actor. So I was done then. And when I heard that I want to dance with somebody was still going forward, I was stunned. I thought this would stop at, I thought it would be dead in the water. So when she was brought in in 2021 to direct, I was like, oh, well, maybe that means they're going back to the drawing board. Um, maybe, maybe they're going to, uh, they're going to modify or think about who the script was. And then when I found out that they were bringing in the dude who did Bohemian Rhapsody and that script was trash. I don't care what anyone says. I, I realized something. These are not biopics. These are pats on the back to the people around who want to control the narrative and want to control the image. Now, uh, Bohemian and Rhapsody, uh, like they had to fight to even get them to admit that you can't do a story about Queen and start with Freddie Mercury dead. Because that's what the band wanted, because the band wanted to make a movie about Queen, not about Freddie Mercury. And I feel like we have the opposite happening here. They don't want to admit that Whitney Houston was a real person and do what it takes to kind of do the, the legwork and investigate to build a cohesive story of Whitney Houston's life. So they did this vignette thing about all these pivotal moments in her journey as an artist. Yeah. And no one, no one associated with this product. And it's just a product. No one involved in, in, in anything about this knew what they were talking about at all. And like, that's, and that's exactly why when we did the avatar review, I made the joke that I was going to call this review Bohemian Napsody for two reasons. One, it is just as lifeless and fruitless. It's actually more lifeless and fruitless than Bohemian Rhapsody was. At least Bohemian Rhapsody had some points in it where it was very interesting how that character, how Freddie Mercury was being portrayed in the story they were telling. But at the end of the day, that film still wasn't that it was still like a three out of five to me. This film is less than that. And then add in the, I'm sorry, Cassie Lemons is a black woman. You are not going to tell me that she was completely okay with the fucking wigs in this movie. Are you serious? There is a scene in this film where they do this in comedies where they have like the mother and the daughter together and they both have the same haircut. That's how this Mm -hmm. film opens. Naomi and the actress that plays her mother have the exact same wigs on. To the point where the father even jokes that you're going to have to do something different with your hair, child, because you look 45 years older with that wig on than you're supposed to be looking. And that ain't what people go on to see when they come to see you say. And the wigs get worse. Bobby Brown's wigs are bad. You know, oh my God, Nefessa's Robin wigs. The first wig they opened up with, with her on that basketball court in them shorts. I was like, I feel like the person I'm looking at looks so much better than than they look in this film right now. At first, I didn't know that was her. I'm sorry, Robin was stylish. Like she was always, she always had her hair done and was changing it up. She was always like, she had clothing style. She was very comfortable and, and she was very stylish. So I was like, what did, look at old footage, old pictures. They exist. What is happening? I don't know what was up with hair and makeup. I don't know what was up with, um, with costuming, but it felt like they were creating caricatures of people. They weren't trying to to have, make it to where these actors could embody these people. Because that's what we're looking at. We're looking at characters who have been built off all the different elements that you say went into making this story. And, and I think that that as much as they were given respect in the, um, but from hair and makeup. Uh, but I, I don't, I was stunned at how bad it was. Tyler Perry has done better. He has. And that's, it, it pissed me up. Sorry, when it's coming from a black man who decides that he can write, direct, produce, and act in all of his films, I expect him to drop the ball in a lot of places. But when it's a black woman who, again, started off with Eve's Bayou and somehow ended up here, I am 
fucking baffled. I'm absolutely baffled. And there are so, there's so many resources available to people like Cassie Lemons for this not I feel like to she happen. She doesn't know how to throw her weight around. I've, no, I've seen her in person. I'm going to tell you she does. I have seen her in person. I've seen her confidence. She is. I, no, I, I, I meant. I meant effectively. I, I'm not. Listen. I don't know. I, I don't know. I. I. This. I don't know how true that is. The work. The, the work product makes me feel like she don't know how to throw her weight around effectively. I can tell or you she that, doesn't. Or she's got blind spots that no. No one feels confident enough to say something to her. About. I think that's what it is because Cassie Lemons. When I saw her in person, I didn't get the chance to interview her, but I saw just her presence and her aura. She looks mm-hmm. like one who not to be fucked with. Okay. And I was like, okay, who is this person that's got all of these people hanging off of her, followed up? And then I realized that was the, the director or the producer of Harriet. And this was before I saw Harriet. Then I right. saw Harriet. And they had a QA session at the end of it. And there were so there were so many color redacted people up her ass during that interview that that interview session that i just got up and left i was like because they don't want me standing up here and asking why you got this nigga talking to jesus next to a tree in a swamp while they getting chased by dogs and white men on horses why do you have that scene in here do i you- really feel like there's just something going on that there's that maybe there's a gear that we've shifted in contemporary storytelling <clears throat> dealing with more contemporary figures of black people feel about how we talk about stories now and i feel in a certain respect um she still approaches things in a way that's very mid 90-ish 21 jump street-ish where you kind of have to split the needle and keep even when you don't have a white person who's center frame or center lens you have to kind of keep storytelling at that level so there are certain things that people got used to yada yadaing tassie still yada yadas those and we don't accept that anymore we as in the black community and we're less accepting of it when we're dealing with our icons, especially the ones who've recently passed, like in people's current lifetimes. So I think she's going to take a beating about putting together a movie that's not only vignette style about Whitney Houston, but doesn't actually put Whitney first in the story. Mm. And you can have and you can have Naomi doing everything that she needs to to give a good um, rendition physically and visibly of Whitney. Mm-hmm. But if what you're asking her to do to embody Whitney is trash, you're not going to get away with that. Yep. If, if, Bobby, if, if you're putting a, a full-on caricature of Bobby, Bobby Brown that does not match the Bobby Brown we all knew and grew up with, it only matches TMZ Bobby. Mm-hmm. You, you're not going to be able to hide that. If, if you're not digging in if you want to lead and start trying to have a more honest conversation about Robin Crawford in Whitney's life, you better be ready to talk to somebody about what it's like to possibly be famous and closeted if you can't get the real people to talk to you so you can build and put together a visual, even if you want to leave it by inferences, because I'm sorry, queer baiting is never okay, but doing it in a real person's life is worse. Mm-hmm. So I have listened to Cassie Lemon talk and I'm always engaged and, 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 and she's very compelling and very strong, but I feel like when it comes to throwing your weight around, when it comes to like, she doesn't have any writing credit on this. So she, like, she looked at this script and was like, I can work with this. No. And the question is why, but that's what like, all- you didn't bring it. But she directed all the actors to do the same. And the only one who didn't have to worry about what they were working with was Stanley Tucci because Clive Davis was involved in this. And Clive Davis is everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, I was like, there's, there's way too much of a father figure character here. And I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable with her, her mother being problematic, her husband being problematic, her dad being problematic. Her brother's being not involved at all other than, you know, to pan the camera towards them and be like, see, she still got brothers there alive. All right, back to this. And they cheering her on. I mean, 
like she's going to rehab it. The only person who's like trying to help her that stays to help her that she listens to is Clive. She doesn't listen to Robin and then Robin doesn't stay. It's it's just a bunch of stuff that I feel like this it's it's kind of a white saviorish thing going on with this film. And that also doesn't sit well with me. But frankly, it's just not a good movie. It's not a good movie. No. It's not a good story. It's got really good acting in it in some scenes. But overall, it's bad when God. It's so bad when someone like Jennifer Lopez still has a better biopic than one of the biggest singers in American history, not just American contemporary music history. Like Jennifer Lopez has a biopic? I mean, not a biopic. Oh, her documentary. Selena. I'm talking about Selena. I'm saying that, that like, like her film, Selena, is still going to be, it's, it's just so much better than but our own there, film about but, Whitney Houston. That's crazy. But you me. hit the nail on the head. Selena's family was involved at yeah. every single stage of that story. And when you have somebody who's been intensely private about their life and you want to make a biopic about them, you cannot do it without the family or without family level knowledge of the person. You just can't. And I, my, my, I think for me, for me, I think what personally upset me was the fact that, that people still think that we're supposed to be happy to be sustained because her music lives. And I was like, okay, but you turned her life into a plot device. Yeah, no. You, you turned Whitney, 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 Dolly Parton rebuilds black neighborhoods with the royalties from her song, Houston, into a plot device in a movie about her own life. You turned her into a plot device for her music so you could have continual renewal of all your licensure and control of her copyrights. Because that's what it feels like. This feels like a copyright protection. And it's just, I, I feel like this movie is scared. It's scared to talk about her relationships. It's scared to talk about her personal life. And it's scared to mm -hmm. even talk about her death. Like, it's mm -hmm. just, I don't understand why you made this film half-stepping. And if you weren't gonna, if you weren't gonna dedicate yourself, and if you didn't have a real story, this this point blank, if you did not have a legit Whitney Houston story to tell, you should not have made this movie out of respect for Whitney Houston, because this is not some shit that she would have wanted to be told in her favor as an homage or anything else. This shit is cheap. It's too damn long, and I'm tired of I'm tired of black people pandering down to black people. That's the other thing that pisses me off about this movie. We deserve good, well-fleshed-out biopics and stories about our heroes, whether they be a song hero, a historical figure, whatever. When we are making films about our own people, they should be fucking amazing, okay? And that's not, this, this, that's not what this is. This shit is cheap. It's like you said, it was poor, like someone else said to me earlier. It's poorly fucking edited, okay? It's oh, too goddamn it long. And it, 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 it's kind of, it's just insulting. Like, there are films, there are TV shows made about us for, uh, for our people that I might not necessarily like, but I can't come in and say they're terrible. Like Emancipation. Emancipation is, I found it certain parts of it to be funny when it should not have been funny. And I think they made some weird choices. Like, Will Smith being Haitian and literally meeting up with an actor who is more Haitian than him later on. That probably should have been the Haitian star of the film, but that's a whole other conversation, right? We are going to have to record about uh, emancipation because you keep dropping these comments in here, and we gonna have the talk. We gonna we gonna do it. I just can't. I think that I think it's a conversation worth happening on a on, on a history level and on a filmmaking level, but. I will, I will say this, another movie that I feel is a closer comparison than talking about Emancipation, because Emancipation does not claim to be a biopic. It is straight up just uh, taking a snippet out of someone's life and using it to redefine how we talk about war movies yeah. around the Confederacy. And, but The Rebellious Life of Miss Rosa Parks. I've never seen that. It is available on Peacock. Uh-huh. And it is 100% one of the best 
documentaries I watched this year and I was pissed when it didn't get a bigger push and it didn't get a bigger release and they kind of dropped it into the middle of the summer. But I am happy that it is widely available on a streaming service that if you ain't got, you know someone with a password or you got a trial you haven't used. Yeah. I just because I mean, this film Yeah, go ahead. Like we all know Rosa Parks for one penultimate moment in Rosa's life, right? This movie takes you before that, it takes you through that, it takes you after that. And it's not just about her as the activist. It's about Rosa Parks. It's about her politics. It's about her relationships. It's about her life. It's about the world she grew up in and the decisions that she made that turned her into the Rosa Parks that we know. And then it tells you what happens to her after the movement used her the way that it did. And through all of that, you still get the sound bites. You still get the pictures. You still get the moment of the icon Rosa Parks that we know. But this she is never just a plot device in the documentary to talk about the civil rights movement. She is never just a, a, a foil, a facsimile, paper-thin image of herself only contained in what we know of her, of the pictures of her on the bus, or the picture of her standing with uh, Martin Luther King, or the picture of her on the courthouse steps. You get the whole breadth and, and, and wealth of depth of who this woman was. And it's still stylish. It's still engrossing, but they come at it with an authenticity and an authentic, authenticity. Why can't I say authentic? Authenticity. Authenticity. <laughs> I, authenticity. Either I need to re-up the edible or I need to stop. I don't know which it is. And, but there's also a humbleness to the respect of talking about the central figure in here that is never forgotten. And I feel like when you're going to turn and you wanna do a fictionalized version, if you wanna turn this into the big biopic, because those are the ones that get theater releases rather than documentaries, right? If you wanna make that turn, you still have to approach it with that same non-assuming humbleness and respect for the person that you're about to tell that story about, no matter how big they got in the end. Because if you don't, all you have left is the image. All you have left is this, the TMZ version, the Lifetime movie version, the, um, the, the, the video version, the, the interview on Oprah, or what's the Barbara Walters, or what's the other little blonde lady with the bob, the one who she said, you know, crack is whack. That interview, all you have are those little obscene little pieces of a life that you can't piece together to tell us about the person who lived that life. So this is extremely disappointing and I am a hundred percent going to hold the director responsible because you're the most powerful black person on the set and you were okay looking in the monitor and point, having them point the cameras at this saying action, saying cut, and then saying, we got the shot. I, I don't know. I just it it felt like like in in movies when in movies similar to this when the character starts to see um success and things start to change dramatically for them and they enter fame. It's typically done through a montage. This whole film is a fucking montage. And they're like Ashley asked me you know, because she had mentioned what he said. And I was just kind of like, it really is just them having her listen to tapes of songs she will sing that will become popular that we all know. And it's boring because there's actually no story to any of those amazing songs. Every song, it seems, was just on a cassette tape that Clive played for her that somebody basically they're saying that Clive Davis was Tommy Matola before Tommy Matola Tommy Matola Mariah Carey that they're saying but that's that what they used to say during the time period that all Clive, all Tommy Matola did was take the Clive Davis um, format and find him a diva that's what they're saying but, that Clive, that's what they're showing Clive Davis did here is that all he, all these singers they, who recorded these songs Clive Davis played their music for Whitney, and then when Whitney, you want to sing this? And she went, yeah, that song sounds like something I could sing. I'm like, damn, so she just took songs from other 
women who were trying maybe to become artists and she sung their songs and she blew up and we don't know who those people are. She didn't have an yes. actual writer team. She didn't actually write a song. That's no, no. And they don't dig into it at all no, about how, how he ran his record company and he put people in development and used and left them on a shelf. Like, I mean, like, okay, but they should have, that, that's, that would have been really interesting and compelling, but I mean, do you know who Emily King is? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that she used to be signed over yeah. there? Oh, oh, I knew that her first album came out over there and they basically like ignored her first album and kind of dropped at the wrong time in 06. And it just yeah, didn't but, get any attention. But, but do you know why Emily King was being treated the way she was? Because a bunch of other artists similar to the way her sound came out her, at the time? They was playing her shit for Alicia Keys. Oh, no, I didn't know that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole idea that there are people who are in development, people who are writing or people who are coming up with concepts and they do, I want to write about this and they give the story and then it goes into another room and ends up somewhere else. Yeah, that's what, if you wanted to talk about the, the Clive Davis era, if you wanted to talk about her desire to be allowed to have more substance, um, if you want to talk about the fact that Whitney was never allowed to be anything other than a singer, that's what we should have gotten through that whole portion but we didn't we got her sitting there like she was blithely happy to rip the work from other people and we never find out whether or not whitney knew she basically took somebody else's song that could have been their moment and turned they turned it into her moment we never see her actually get to meet writers and sit down well, and then they even... don't even go into the whole sean john era when she was making her comeback and she actually is starting to sit down and say this is what i feel this is what i want to talk about write me something like this but we they, don't even, that. they don't even make it seem like she was involved in the creation of the music at all other than to just sing it it's like my understanding she was not like that's she just sang it and if that's the case then i would have liked to have had an understanding of why that was the type of person that she was because ultimately i feel like i just kind of feel like that removes, like, you're not going to look at Beyonce's career and say all she did was sing the music and we're going to call her a diva. No. Nah. But if we had stayed, but if, if she had stayed under her daddy, that is what people would have kept saying. Because that is what they used to say about her. Right. But, but the whole point I think you're making is you can't have that be a core element to the dominant belief of a person and then not dig into that. Well, if you, like, you know I, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, my thing is just like, if you, okay, so to me, it's like a distinguishment between are we calling Whitney Houston an amazing artist or are we calling her, or like we calling her an amazing artist and musician or are we calling her an amazing singer? Because if all we're saying is that she's an amazing singer, then I guess that's what we're going with here and that's the, that'd be that. Because that Whitney to Houston me- Whitney Houston has never been called anything other than the, the greatest voice of our time, an amazing singer. They've ne- there's never been any other narrative because I, I don't believe she was ever allowed to get into a position where she could have potentially ever developed one. And that's my disappointment in this movie. I thought, oh, they're going to be spending a lot of time in the 80s and 90s in the early part of her career. Maybe we'll find out why it is she never got to be anything other than a singer. Well, it's because and Clive Davis just kept drinking her cassette tapes in his office, which also this movie was shot in like three different locations for the whole movie. Of course it was. Her oh. office, her house, Robin's apartment. Her office, her uh, his uh, Clive's office, her house, Robin's apartment. Like that's it. oh my god. That's... I mean, but the reality of the situation is, do they have uh, permission and access to go to any of the other locations of her life? I don't. No. I'm just saying that it's, it's lazy the way they shot it. If they didn't have it, they didn't even try to be creative with it. But also, I would like. I would like. I would like to point out that when we started this, you had said. That it was gonna be quick. And I know. I know. The way we have gone in, I didn't know you had this much in your soul. I did even <laughs> when we really started talking about it because this movie is it's just annoying. But I'll end it like we can we can wrap it up and give it a, give it a score. I'll end it like this. I don't know why this movie is called "I Want to Dance with Somebody," other than that's the name of one of her songs. And if that's the reason, that's how lazy this movie is. That is how that is how pointless and unnecessary and lazy the story of this movie is is that they named it i want to dance with somebody because that just happens to be the name of one of the more popular songs by whitney houston 
and there is no metaphor, there is no deeper meaning that is explored or explained here relative to that at all. It's just, that's one of her songs that people really like a lot. So let's call it that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I could been calling it, I want to dance with a wig. Ugh, that... Because it's, I can't get, I, it's just, it's, it's sloppy. It's lazy. It's sloppy. And it's disrespectful. And I'm upset because it's not the actor's fault. They did what they it's were not. asked to do. They, they did what they were asked to do. They gave serviceable appointments. But one of those situations, like law would say, no one here did what needed to be done. And I don't know how you give this movie more than two. I don't, I don't either. It's not, it's just nice. It belongs on the back end of a streaming service. Like you're, you're scrolling through Netflix and you go, wait, they did a Whitney Houston bio movie. Oh, I guess I'll watch this lifetime-ish looking thing. I'm sorry. I don't even know if it's good enough for that. This is the kind of thing that you find in the on-demand library of like, um, we or own or lifetime no, that they it, don't ever tell anybody fair. yeah it's very tubby-ish I, I would not yeah i yeah, would not yeah, tap that, into this at all yeah. which is again it, i am blown it's in theaters i'm blown it's in theaters during avatar time like what are, I think are y'all they decided, serious let's get it over with. are you serious do you think i think they're gonna decide. see this i'm serious i'm serious i think they just decided to let's get it over with or they've got their best chance that you know um, you know, let's throw it out there when there's something else big and hope some people who've already seen the other one go see that. And I'm just like, what's playing in movie theaters right now? Do we know? Uh, Do you know? Avatar. It's been so long. Ashley, <laughs> Ashley told me she was going to go to the movies. And I was like, to see what? Because <laughs> it's nothing. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now, if you, if you're going to the movies and, um, go see Puss in Boots. Wow. Go see Violet Night. Uh, uh, if you want something that's pure, unadulterated chaos and absolutely an unhinged experience, go see Babylon. Uh, if you want something that's happy and heartwarming, go see Strange World. If you want to go see a more than decent, inspired by a real life, even though it's not perfect, it does better than this, go see Devotion. Uh, if you want something creepy and weird, go see The Menu. And and, and 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 just get your life with those. I mean, even Lyle Lyle Crocodile is better than this shit. The the singing only works because it's Whitney. Just don't do it. I just do not get like we if we would like them to stop shoveling this crap at us and expecting us to swallow it. Do not support. Do not give this movie your money. Yeah, it'll be it'll be streaming soon enough. Is... It'll be the cheapest license for a streaming service on the face of the earth. I am I am appalled. But yeah, okay. So now that we've told y'all not to go see this, um, <laughs> yeah, you'll have a better you'll bet you'll have a better Christmas weekend if you just completely avoid this movie and go listen to a Whitney Houston's greatest hits album. You'll have yeah. such you'll have so much better because you'll get to hear the whole songs, not small snippets of them here. And you know, with a bunch of fucking wig filler and pointless story uh, filler just, content. Just don't, just don't. I'm, I'm serious. It's like if you're, I'm serious. You want to have a good time at the movies. You want to have some fun. You want to leave happy. You don't want to leave bitter and disappointed. Then you don't want to see Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. You just don't. I thought Ashton. I thought Ashton Saunders' portrayal of the RZA was ridiculous. Like. But then it it started, it grew on me because it was so ridiculous that it was entertaining. And I was like, you know what? And the RZA is involved. So this is how the RZA wants him to be portrayed. Like, I can't, I'm not going to fight with you about how you want to be portrayed. Yeah, you let Ashton get out there and do that. But Bobby is going to fight Ashton. If Bobby Digital wants to be portrayed this way and Ashton is living up to that dream, then so be it. But the shit that they got him doing here with Bobby, Bobby Brown, Brown gonna is absolutely nice. He's going to fight him. Ain't no way in hell Bobby Brown signed off on this shit. Ain't no, no way. He's going to fight him. So. He's going to fight him. All right, they didn't, put this, they didn't put this man's voice in life in jeopardy. Yeah, sadly. All right. This has been a review of I Want to Dance with Nobody. Uh, stay on Black, Black Ass at Home and go watch something else. 
that go watch the daddy on amazon it is so much better it's it's black which it's one the daddy on amazon prime oh <gasps> yes so good and it's so black it's, and it's so good it's so brilliant so good go watch that instead um but yeah and again when you're finished watching that go watch the rebellious life of rosa parks miss rosa park you got a lineup of stuff that's better than this by far it'll give you a better christmas weekend don't make it about this movie at all just just watch waiting to exhale because You'll you'll be sighing through this whole movie if you do. Don't don't do it. The bodyguard is a better biopic for Whitney Houston. It it actually is. It actually is. It actually is. Clive in this movie was right. It's basically a script about your life. So yeah, don't go see this shit. Go see anything else. Literally anything else. Go watch like go watch Willow. Go watch anything else other than this. I'm not kidding. If you feel like you want to do that Christmas thing and go to the movies. Go see Violent Night. You will get your entire life. It's hilarious. It's violent. It's ridiculous. It's funny, and it ends just when it should. Do not support this movie. Just yeah. we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get them to stop doing this. Yeah. Get, and the only, way, the only way we get them to stop is if we stop. Look, I understand that y'all, y'all root for everything black, but there has to be some exceptions, and this is what. So go stream Whitney's albums and support her estate for yeah. and and the, the 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 charities that they pay out. Yeah. Don't give this movie to these people. All right, y'all. Because Whitney Whitney people ain't getting none of this money, is she? I I, I hope not, because it's dirty buddy. <laughs> right. All right. We got to get out of here because apparently we could just be mad all night. Yeah, for real. All right, y'all. This has been MovieTrailerReviews.net review of I Want to Dance with Somebody. Ro, Brandon, Chris was smart enough not to even intend to go see this <laughs> and yeah so i hate him all right y'all we'll talk to y'all next time thank you you go you go you he gonna stop letting us hang out together without him uh, yeah all right.